Have you ever been discouraged in your prayers? Anyone ever experienced that? Yes? Um, You're not alone. Uh, We all have. In fact, we just heard a moment ago, Psalm 88, the psalmist is is praying this this psalm, this prayer to God, saying, God, I'm really discouraged. What's going on? There are people against me. Things are not going the way I want them to go in my life. What's happening here? Today, I want to continue to talk to you about prayer. We've been looking at various passages throughout uh, God's Word related to prayer in the past month, and we'll do that, Lord willing, the next few weeks as well. I want to encourage you to pray. Pray through your discouragement. Prayer through discouragement requires faith. The question for us is, will we keep on praying in faith? Will we keep praying to God when things don't look like they're turning out the way we want them to? Will we uh, allow God to be God in our lives? Will we have that faith? John Calvin, in commenting on the passage that I'm going to read to you in a moment from Luke chapter 18, said this. He said, We know that perseverance in prayer is a rare and difficult attainment, And it is a manifestation of our unbelief, our unbelief that when our prayers, when our first prayers are not successful, we immediately throw away not only hope, but all the ardor of prayer. But it is an undoubted evidence of our faith. If we are disappointed of our wish and yet do not lose courage. And we keep praying. I want to encourage us today to keep praying. I've been discouraged in my prayers. They haven't, things don't always turn out the way I want them to turn out. Things don't always turn out the way I ask God to orchestrate them. But I want us to do what Jesus encouraged his disciples to do in this passage today, and that is to keep on praying. To not give up, to not lose heart, to not allow seemingly unanswered prayers to discourage us from seeking God's face. So will you turn with me to Luke chapter 18? Luke chapter 18, we're going to look at the first eight verses here today. You can follow along on the screen and with your Bibles in front of you as I read aloud. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? 
I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? This is the word of the Lord. Jesus began, or, or actually Luke, in, inspired by the Holy Spirit, began, uh, introduced this parable of Jesus by, um, by, by, by setting the stage, by giving the purpose for why Jesus was telling this parable. It's an interesting story about a judge and a widow, and the judge hearing the widow's cry over and over again and refusing, but eventually relenting, right? But look what he said in verse 1. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. That, I, that, that phrase, to lose heart, is to be discouraged, to, to fear uh, that nothing, ever, nothing good is going to happen here. To kind of lose hope. So, Jesus said He wants them to pray. He wants them to pray, those who, who are listening to Him, His disciples, and He wants us to pray. And I think this is a challenge for us. Have you been discouraged? Have you stopped praying? Have you stopped going to God? in adoration and confession and thanksgiving and, and, of course, making your requests known to God? Have you not even begun to pray? Jesus challenges us to pray, to pray and not lose heart. In fact, He says, they ought always to. It's an interesting phrase in the Greek. I wasn't going to say this, but I can't help it because I love it. There's this little word in Greek. The word is dei. And we would transliterate it with a D-E-I, day. And it's all over the New Testament. And it means there's a necessity for something to happen. Something must happen. And most of the time, when you see that word, it's a divine necessity. It's something that God, God deems to happen. He orchestrates. He, he, he requires and that's the, that's the word that Jesus is using here. And I, I think it's important for us to take heart. I think it's important for us to, um, to consider that this is something Jesus said, it, you must do. You must pray and not lose heart. Well, let me, let me share for you, with you a few reasons why we should pray. And they're right here in this passage. Pray, first of all, pray for God is just. Pray, for God is just. When, when Jesus was telling this story, he assumed that, that his readers or his hearers um, understood and accepted the fact that God was a just God. That God was great and that God was in charge and that He always does what is good and right and perfect. They assumed that his disciples knew that. And so he told the story of the judge. And so look back at the story with me, how he describes this judge. He said he lived in this certain city and, or town, and it's an unnamed town because it could have happened anywhere. And it probably has happened in just about every city. There was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men. He neither feared God, meaning that he didn't care that God was judge over him. He was going to judge other people however he wanted. He was going to live his life however he chose to live it. 
He didn't have any consideration for God as the judge over him. He didn't, he didn't respect man. He didn't honor them. He didn't consider them. He basically, in other words, he didn't care what people thought about him. He was going to live the way he wanted to live. He was going to act the way he wanted to act. That was his character. Yet, Jesus contrasts God with this judge, right? He, he shows what the judge did, and we see that the judge eventually relented with this, with this widow. But then in verse 7, he says, Will not God give justice to his elect? The answer to that question, that rhetorical question, in Jesus' mind and for the hearers and for us should be, Well, of course he will. Of course God will act. Of course God will give justice. Because that's the kind of God He is. God is a just God. God is holy. God is perfect. God always does what's right. God is good and faithful and merciful and gracious to us. Romans uh, 11, 31-33 is a telling passage at the tail end of three chapters in Romans that are some of the most difficult parts of the Bible to interpret. But in, that, in, that, in, that, uh, in those few verses in Romans 11, at the end of that chapter there, Paul is concluding his defense of God as a just God, as a righteous God. And he ends by saying this, in Romans 11, 31-33, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How, was uh, it unscrutable, inscrutable, are His judgments and His ways? Unsearchable His ways. For who has known the mind of God or who has been His counselor? Who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be honor or glory forever. Amen. Who can judge what is in the mind of God? Who can go to Him and say, God, this is right, this is wrong. God, you're unjust because you did that. God, you didn't, you didn't do this for me. I have rights. We don't know what's in God's mind. We don't know what He thinks of the requests that we make before Him. But we pray regardless, because we know that He is just, that He is good, that He will do good on our behalf. He promises that over and over. In another parable um, earlier in the, the book of Luke, Luke chapter 11, um, you might remember this story Jesus asked this question, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? That's how Luke puts it. In, uh, I think in Matthew, uh, who asks for bread will give him stone. He says, If then, if you then who are evil, you evil fathers out there, that's what he was saying, you're evil, evil fathers, Know how to give good gifts to your children? Do we do that? Yeah, we, uh, we do it as much as we can, you know, as much as our evil will allow it. But how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
Our Heavenly Father is so great and perfect in His holiness, perfect in His goodness, perfect in His righteousness. He will always do what is right. He will always do what is good and perfect. Pray. Would you, would you keep praying, folks? Would you pray? Don't stop praying. Continually pray. Don't lose heart. Pray secondly. Not only because God is just, but pray for God acts swiftly. For God acts swiftly. Look at the, look at the widow with me again. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to him. And I, I love that the English Standard Version translates it that, that way because that's the sense of, of what Jesus was trying to communicate. He, she didn't just come to him once. But she was coming to him over and over again saying, give me justice against my adversary. There is somebody who's trying to come against me. Maybe this woman had an enemy who was taking her to court constantly. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. We've got, we have friends who we love dearly who have had trouble with neighbors, enemies coming against them over and over and over again. And it's so frustrating. And we wondered, God, when are you going to fix this? When are you going to answer this prayer? And lawyers and judges, when are you going to put a stop to this? And here is this woman trying to get justice, trying to get her rights respected, uh, trying to, to seek out an end to her troubles. And the man refuses. And the judge refuses. And he, it says in verse 4, he refused for a while. And for, in other words, he just put it off. He ignored her. But then eventually he relented, right? Eventually he relented. Eventually the nagging widow drove him crazy and he said, I got to put this woman, I got to put a stop to this. I don't want to hear her complaints anymore. Give her justice. That's not what God is like. The contrast, once again, between God and the judge is, the, is that, the, that God uh, does not put us off. God is not annoyed by us. God is not, is not wishing that we would go away and not ask Him things any longer. The challenge for us is that we don't know what's going on all the time. And God does sometimes choose to delay. Look at verse 7 with me again. And will not God give justice to His elect who cry to Him day and night? And the sense of that is pretty clear. I, just so you know, there were no, uh, there were no uh, punctuation marks in the original language. So, questions exclamations, things like that, uh, were, how the words were used and how they were ordered and things like that were, were how you figured some of those things out. And, and, and so it's really, it's clear there in that first phrase that, that, that Jesus is posing a rhetorical question. Will not God give justice to His elect who cry to Him day and night? But then the next phrase, will He delay long over them? Will he delay long over them? It's interesting because there are no question marks in the original text. And it could be interpreted as he delays long. 
It could be interpreted that way. It could be translated that way. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, here's what I think it means. Just a little, that's a little grammar thing there, a little, little, uh, little study in the original language for us. God will sometimes act very swiftly. Have you experienced that? You prayed for something and you got, a, you got an answer. I remember three years ago, uh, a little over three years ago, praying myself to sleep one night, going, God, give me wisdom. Show me what it is you want for my family, what direction you want me to go in my life. And the very next morning, I was awoken by a phone call from, from a friend saying, you know, offering me an opportunity and, and really clearly pointing me in a direction that God wanted me to go in. It was amazing. Sometimes God will answer our, our, our questions, our prayers very swiftly. And then sometimes we think there, we feel like there's a delay. We wonder, what is going on? Why is this not working out? And I think that's there in the text. Will he delay long over them or will he not delay long over them? Peter. Peter, one of our great, the, the great uh, knucklehead disciples, and I love so much because I identify with him too readily. He wrote this, though, in 2 Peter 3, verses 8 to 9. And I, and I, I can't help but think that maybe Peter was thinking back to this parable that Jesus told about God delaying or not in terms of helping his elect and answering prayers. Because this is what he says for, in 2 Peter 3, verses 8 to 9. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness. In other words, He's not putting it off. He's not ignoring you. He's not saying, um, you're, you, you, I don't want to hear this anymore. <laughs> Get over it. But look what it says. But is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But that all should reach repentance. He is not slow. Sometimes we want to, we want to just say, God... Just come on down here. Jesus, come face to face. I got some words for you. I want some answers about what's going on. It reminds me of something that um, in the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan the lion said over and over. Something like this. No one is told any story but their own. And even their own story, they don't understand until later when it's revealed to them. What about you? Are there things going on in your life right now where you're like, God, do something now, quickly, swiftly. When it happens, it'll happen. And when it happens, it'll, it'll be sudden, right? God will act. Jesus says, pray, for God acts swiftly. God is just, God acts swiftly. And third, pray for Jesus is coming. (coughs) What? Where is that? Where is that in this passage? For Jesus is coming. How is that a motivation for our prayers? 
Well, look at look with me at verse eight. He does say uh, he confirms that yes, God will give justice to His elect speedily. Then he says this: Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? Well, where does this come from? Where does this whole return of Jesus um, fit into this parable? If you, if you pull back on this passage just a little bit in your Bibles and look back at, verse, or at chapter 17, the last paragraph or so of chapter 17, Jesus is telling His disciples about what's to come. He's saying that the Son of you're, you're gonna, there's going to come a time you're going to look for the Son of Man. That was his reference to himself. And, and some are going to say, here's Jesus, he's returned. Or here's the Messiah, he's here. And there have been many false messiahs for the last almost 2,000 years since Jesus ascended into heaven. But, but, but Jesus tells his disciples, don't be thrown off by that. This is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to be like. Uh, I am going to come again. And he says on that day, there are going to be people um, going about their lives, not knowing what's going on, and all of a sudden, he's back. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be swift. It's going to be quick. Right? Does that sound familiar? God will give justice to them speedily, swiftly, and Jesus had just been saying, talking about His return. And so then He gives this parable, and He ends the parable by saying, when the Son of Man comes, when I return again, will I find faith? Will my people still be praying? That's what He's asking. That's what He's wondering about. Is that what we will be doing when Jesus comes again? Or will we be so discouraged by our lack of insight, by our lack of understanding, by our lack of, of, of worship and knowledge and faith that we're just dead in our, in our spiritual lives, dying on the vine, so to speak? Prayer, my friends, is faith. There is no greater act of faith than to pray, to lift our request to God and say, God, you, only you can answer this in my life. Only you can do something about this experience that I'm going through. Discouragement is real. I don't want to, I don't want to make you think that just have faith or just pray about it is the pat answer to real, genuine discouragement. But the fact is for us and the promise that we have from God and the promise, in fact, the promise that Peter was alluding to in Second Peter 3 is that Jesus is coming again. That the Son of Man will come again. And yes, we will have discouragement in this life. Jesus said this to His disciples in John 16, In this world, or in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. In other words, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. He said, I have overcome the world. How could He say that? He could say that because Jesus knew about injustice. 
Jesus knew about discouragement. Jesus knew about being troubled in his heart and in his soul. Jesus knew those things. He knew about suffering. He knew about about the world coming against you. He said in Matthew 10.28, remember? The verse of the week for this week? That don't fear him who can kill the body, but yet cannot touch your soul. Jesus knew about that. He experienced it. He died. He suffered. He experienced separation from God. He experienced the sin of the world on His shoulder for us so that we could be encouraged to keep on praying. Pray. We don't know what's going on. (laughs) We don't know what's going on around us. We hope that in time, 2020 vision, looking in the rearview mirror, all of those euphemisms, um, that, that, that hindsight will be able to figure out, oh, that's what was going on. Oh, I understand now. But in the meantime, will we pray? Will we pray like we mean it? Will we pray in faith, knowing and confident that God is going to act? That He is just? That He will come again. And that He will reward those of us who have continued in faith with Him. You remember, don't you, the story of the horse and his boy? The, one of the stories in the Narnia uh, books. You remember the story of Shasta? He was the boy. And his horse was named Bree. Actually, he was, yeah, it was Bree and Shasta was his boy. There you go. Right? And at one point in the story, Shasta has an encounter that changed his life, that changed his perspective. He thought he was traveling in the dark. And he thought that some ghost or some eat some terrible creature was following him and he was so frightened and then it began to speak and he talked to it and and this this voice this large voice spoke to him and and asked him tell me your sorrows Shasta the story says and Lewis writes Shasta was a little reassured by the breath. So he told, he told a story, how he had never known his real father or mother and had been brought up sternly by the fishermen. And when he told the story of his escape and how they were chased by lions and forced to swim for their lives and of all their dangers in Toshban and about his night among the tombs and how the beasts howled at him out of the desert and he told about the heat and thirst uh, of their desert journey and how they were almost at their goal when another lion chased them and wounded Erebus, that was his traveling friend, and also how very long it was since he had had anything to eat. And on top of that, I'm hungry. That would be my interpretation of it. I do not call you unfortunate, said the large voice. 
Don't you think it was bad luck to meet so many lions? said Shasta. There was only one lion, said the voice. What on earth do you mean? I've just told you there were at least two the first night, and there was only one. But he was swift of foot. How do you know? I was the lion. And as Shasta gaped with open mouth and said nothing, the voice continued, I was the lion who forced you to join with Erebus. I was the cat who comforted you among the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you while you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mile so that you should reach King Loon in time. And I was the lion you do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay, a child near death, so that it came to shore where a man sat, wakeful at midnight to receive you. Then it was you who wounded Erebus? It was I. But what for? Child. Can you guess what he's going to say? Said the voice. I am telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story but his own. Who are you? asked Shasta. Myself, he said. The lion, the great lion, the lion in the stories, the one that, and when we read that story, we ought to think about our Savior, our Lord Jesus. The lion gave him a glimpse of what was going on behind the scenes, of the things that he didn't understand. And so Shasta could have faith to to move on, to go on. Because he knew that there was somebody watching out. Somebody who was just. Somebody who acted swiftly at the right time, in the perfect timing. And who was coming again. What about you? What about me? Will you pray? Will you keep on praying Will you keep on asking? Don't let discouragement keep your eyes from looking at Jesus and asking. Pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this word, this encouragement from the words of Jesus himself to us that we ought to pray and not lose heart. Help us to have the faith to pray through discouragement. God, show us great and mighty things. And Lord, when we don't know, when we don't see and we don't understand, God, By your Spirit, enable us to take one step in front of the other, to believe in your promises, to believe, God, that you have overcome the world through your Son, Jesus, to to continue to pray, to continue to have faith. Lord, we look forward to you coming again, setting everything right. Lord, I thank you that you do not give us what we deserve, what we have earned, or what we think is our rights because we're wrong. 
because what we deserve is death and condemnation and separation from you. Thank you that you gave us your son, Jesus. Thank you that through him, through Jesus, and and the fact that he received injustice, died cruelly, though he didn't deserve it. But that through him, we can pray to you with confidence. Help us to do that in every situation. To, in all things, um, give thanks. And to, uh, in, in, with, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to you. And not lose heart. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.